You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so incredibly excited to share this amazing interview that I did with Abby Epstein, who is one of the producers for the film Business of Birth Control. She also is one of the producers of the film Business of Being Born that was done a few years ago. And I just had such an amazing time talking to her about her birth control journey, what she learned from co-producing the film, different stories, and just things about birth control that I want to now become more mainstream. So the film is again called The Business of Birth Control. You can go and watch the film at the business of birth control, or sorry, the business of dot life. And if you want to watch the film, you can use code alpha 50 as a promo code at checkout. It's unfortunate that so many other streaming platforms wouldn't have this on their site because this is really something that I think that everybody needs to watch. So we'll just go and we'll support them right at the source because they are doing such amazing work advocating for women's health and transparency. And I think that it's so, so important. And I loved this interview. I loved this episode and I hope that you guys do too. Abby Epstein, welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am so excited to interview you. This has been a long time coming and I'm super excited to have you here. For those who might not know, Abby is the director and producer of the amazing film, The Business of Birth Control. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Haley. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, me too. And so I really would love to hear your backstory on your either personal experience with birth control or your interest with how you became passionate about wanting to then create an amazing documentary about the business of birth control. Yeah. So, I mean, my background is um, I started out as a theater director and then went into um, documentary film. And so I had done a documentary about violence against women. And then I did a documentary in 2008, also with Ricky Lake called the business of being born Um, and so I've always been very interested in, I guess, women's empowerment and definitely the intersection of women's empowerment and also women's, um, I would say physical, you know, um, connection, women's Mm -hmm. connection to their bodies and their, um, reproductive health. So I you know, I would say was probably with most of the films I've, I've made, I haven't been that informed before making the film. Like when I started making the business of being born with Ricky, I really knew nothing about like childbirth in America. I had never been pregnant. I'd never, you know, had a child and I, I didn't know anything about midwifery or options. So, you know, the film was also sort of my personal education. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time. And so, you know, similarly, I guess probably it was about 2015 and Holly Griggs-Ball sent Ricky and I a copy of her book called Sweetening the Pill. Um, And it was a, it was a manuscript. The book hadn't been published yet. And she was basically reaching out to us because she had been working on some ideas for a documentary and um, thought, you know, that we would be the right people. And I didn't, again, like, I didn't know anything about Holly. I didn't know anything about, you know, her book. And I read the galley of her book on a flight from New York to LA, got to Ricky's home in LA and basically was like, oh my God, you know, I just read this book on the plane and I feel like this might be our follow-up to the business of being born. I mean, it just feels like a topic that nobody is really pulling back the veil here and talking about openly. 
And, you know, of course, part of that was in reading the book, I learned a lot in retrospect about my own journey with hormonal birth control, um, because there were just a lot of dots that I connected in my own journey, like by reading the book, you know? And so I think when you have those light bulbs going off, you know, about, oh my God, you're having these epiphanies about what might've happened that you were never like fully informed about, um, you know, you, you feel, especially as a filmmaker and as a woman, you feel like, my God, you know, this is something that we've got to share, um, and make more, more women aware of. So that I guess was really the, the whole inspiration for the film. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what was, as you're reading the book and learning about all of the different things that come with birth control, what stuck out in your mind about maybe something that you had a personal experience with or something that, that you, that you didn't know prior to potentially going on the pill? Mm. I mean, there were so many things. I would say a couple of the biggest things were, um, you know, the side effects that I had not fully been informed about. Like I did have um, a really kind of I mean, there's so many things. It's like, I don't even know where to start because I think about even the fact of why I was told to take the pill. It's like now looking back on it, I realized there was absolutely no reason for me to ever even start taking it. I mean, I was, you know, essentially prescribed the pill because I was, I think, a freshman in college and I was, um, you know, having a lot of missed periods and I wasn't menstruating regularly. And so now with everything I know, (laughs) I understand that, you know, I mean, the pill does absolutely nothing to actually regulate your cycle um, or help your your cycle adjust to a new environment or or anything that I might've been dealing with that was, you know, affecting my cycle regularity. And I wasn't, I didn't need it for birth control. I wasn't sexually, you know, active when I went to college. So that was kind of, you know, a huge thing it was like, oh my God, I could have saved myself so much pain and aggravation, right? Mm-hmm. Just not even starting the damn pill. Um, and then when I, you know, started it, I had a lot of, of issues um, with the first brand that she gave me. And, you know, looking back on it, it's, it's sort of hazy. It's like, like I knew that I felt terrible. I I didn't really know how much of that to attribute to the pill. And then like, stupidly, I mean, I just, I didn't stop taking it. I felt like, oh, I have to take this. Like I have Mm -hmm. to follow this through no matter how much I'm suffering until I finally got back to an appointment with the OBGYN like months later. And I remember sitting in her office, like crying because I just felt so terrible. And, you know, she said, oh my goodness, you know, you should have told me or this, or we can try a different brand. And, you know, she tried to explain to me how everybody's body chemistry was different and certain pills might I do better on this pill or that pill. But again, there was no mention of like, why am I on this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Or how it works. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So then, you know, I did switch to a different brand um, that I was able to tolerate, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed on that, you know, for many, many years. And while I was on that, I had um, a lot of side effects like you know, definitely I would say like loss of libido was something I wasn't warned about. Um, the other big thing actually was vaginal dryness, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, is very 
it's pretty awful, you know, when you're a person in your early 20s and just starting out <laughs> having a boyfriend and, you know, having sexual relationship for the first time and you can't figure out why you don't have any like lubrication, right. like natural lubrication. And so you just keep using like tons of KY jelly and thinking something's wrong with you. You know, and so again, that was another thing I had learned, you know, that how severe the vaginal dryness can be um, with the pill and the libido. And there was also, of course, like um, mental health issues, which for me, I didn't, I would say did not manifest as depression, but I would say that looking back on those years of my life, I can see many instances where I just didn't have compassion. Like I didn't have empathy for other people in certain situations. That's really unlike me and who I am. Um, like I'm a super empathic person, but looking back, I just felt I was a little like robotic, like almost like functioning as a male kind of not as a female, like just, mm -hmm. you know, work, 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 work. And like really, you know, achieve, 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 achieve. Um, and definitely not connected to my body in any kind of a real, a real way. So, and then of course there was also the partner attraction, which has been yeah. challenged. We've been challenged on that as that is not real science. Um, but I definitely experienced it. And I had really, there's, there's science that came out that rebutted the pheromones. No, but we've been rebutted by saying that there isn't enough science for us to be okay. mentioning this in the film. Like we're being told that that's a controversial because the studies that have been done aren't big enough or aren't robust enough. I, according to the, according I, to the liberal press. <laughs> ah, okay. Cause I was going to say, I've heard, I, I know a lot of people who have had that type of instance. I agree. And, and I've had it twice. I mean, oh, re really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And it's interesting to, so you kind of had a little bit of everything. You had like the physical yeah. symptoms and you also had some of the mental stuff. And I think the mental stuff, I think that might be hard for some people to realize because is it the stage of life that you're in? Yeah. Like for me, I know that when I was on birth control, I was going through some of the hardest times in chiropractic school. So I'm like, okay, are these breakdowns that I'm just yeah. having, are they because of stress? But like, I realized when I came off the pill, I was still taking board exams. I was still having multiple tests every week. And I was so much more resilient to that stress. I wasn't crying at like, you know, the drop of a hat. I was so much more mentally resilient. And I really, in that moment, kind of like you said, I wasn't necessarily depressed, but I was not myself. And it took yeah. being off to realize, oh, that was not normal to feel that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, that's what's so complicated, I think, about what they call, you know, the mood side effects, which I think is very trivial, trivializing, um, is that sometimes it's, it's difficult to see those things because the brain is not very good at sort of seeing itself. So sometimes it's very hard to like pinpoint those things unless it's like retroactive, you know, like mm -hmm. most women don't realize until they've come off birth control, like, oh, you know, that wasn't actually me. Right. Right. Um, so how, how long did you end up being on the pill for? Like almost a decade, I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would say, yeah, because it was pretty much started in college. And I think I stayed on until I was like, at least 29 or 30. Yeah. So did you have any issues coming off birth control then? I don't think so. Like, That's I good. don't, I don't remember any, but you know, it's funny because there are things that um, I think I felt more like, Oh, I felt like, oh, I sort of have my body back. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like there was something going on where I knew, I remember, because I remember when I had gotten married, 
um, I was on the pill. Like at my wedding, I remember I was on the pill. And um, I remember like I was very, very thin. And, um, but I had like this kind of weird, I don't know, it was almost like a, like a kind of a bloating in my stomach. And um, I remember like, you know, a year or two after my wedding, when I first decided to ditch the pill, like I remember immediately my boobs got smaller, you know what I mean? And then I had to remember like, oh my God, those weren't actually my boobs for 10 years. And then that little weird bloating thing in my stomach like went away. You know, so immediately I, I sort of noticed, I would say what was more like positive side of, mm-hmm. you know, like I just started to, yeah. feel like I started to feel like more of a sex drive come back. Um, so that for me, I think that the transition was, um, although it was disruptive in the sense that I think I wasn't then wanting to be with who I had just married anymore. <laughs> Um, you know, I felt more of like my, I felt a more of a coming back to myself physically. Um, yeah. I can't remember if I had breakouts. It's possible that I had like some skin issues, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like traumatic. I don't remember them. Yeah, that's good. I know that's, I know there's so many people that I see that say, I, I know I want to come off. I just am really afraid for what might happen. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it's so many of the good things you feel in touch with your body. Again, it might take a little bit of balancing out and because whatever you go on birth control for, whether irregular periods, pimples, like anything like that, like those problems are still going to be there if you don't continue to address them. And so that's what I always tell people. But I think that what you shared is also very helpful because it's there to say, Hey, you don't always have to have crazy post pill experiences. You can, it can be a really nice, I I even Mm -hmm. found with some of the things that I experienced like acne and whatnot, I still found it to be like the most empowering thing I've ever done. I felt way more in tune with my body. It's crazy when you can actually, Oh, this, I can kind of tell that I'm ovulating. I can kind of tell that my period's coming by X, Y, Z. Like it's just so many different things that I feel like are just masked and not, not shown when, uh, when we're on birth control. That's right. And then of course, the whole time that I was on it, I wasn't aware that I wasn't actually having a cycle. I was just having a withdrawal bleed. So I think, you know, there was also that whole idea too, of like, when you start to get a real period, you know? And so like, yep. for me, that was also a big wake up. Um, because I still get period cramps. (laughs) I've always had period cramps, you know, nothing, nothing horrendous, but you know, I do Mm -hmm. get like strong cramps the first day or two. So, you know, there was also this sort of wake up of like, oh my, oh, okay. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is a period, you know, but yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think there it's, it's, um, it's, it's a really, it felt to me also, yes, like very empowering. And there was a voice in the back of my head saying, you know, you've got to give your body a break from this thing. Even though I wasn't necessarily wanting to start a family, like I wasn't ready to have children, you know, but I remember in my head being like, oh my God, you know, you're 29 years old. You've been on this, you know, since you're nine, whatever, like, you need to get this off of this for a minute. So there was just like a instinct, you know, to, to mm-hmm. take a break from it because I, I think you feel, I don't know, at least I feel that, you know, it's like, it doesn't like taking a medication every day isn't really in line, you know, with my general practices, you know? <laughs> right. Right. No, so, I was the same way. Same way I was learning about all of these natural ways that we could support our body. We're learning about the metabolism, learning about all -hmm. these different things that are going on. And I remember sitting in physiology and we were learning about drug depletions and how it affects your Krebs cycle and energy and all these things. And I was like sitting there and I'm like, oh, 
and birth control is depleting that vitamin. It's depleting that vitamin. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm just seeing like all these places where these things are so interconnected with the body. And I'm like, what am I doing? What mm-hmm. am I doing on this? I am going to figure it out and I'm going to go off. And that was, I think really the catalyst for me. And then obviously now the work that I do, but I mean, it was, it's a, I think it's my, I don't know if it's over dramatic to say, but it's one of the best decisions that I ever did. It's one of the most empowering journeys that I ever had. And I wasn't even on it for a long time. I was on it for mm-hmm. maybe two years, maybe wow. three years. I'm trying to think summer of 20, gosh, I don't even know, but not, not very long, but long okay. enough to realize I don't need to be on this anymore. Yep. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you guys really, really highlight very well in the film well, I mean, it honestly kind of made me a little bit emotional too, is some of the, some of the case studies on the side effects. Um, how can we talk a little bit about some of the adverse effects with birth control that I know I wasn't told, I don't know if you were told when you went on, but I think that for me, informed consent is very, very important. And I feel like that is very much so lacking in this space. Yeah, it is. I don't, so when I remember, um, when I did get the pill, I do remember hearing something about, you know, risk to like smokers Mm. and maybe, you know, but that was kind of it. And by the way, I mean, I think I did smoke cigarettes like all the time in college. And so there was no Obviously, whenever I was told about that risk, I didn't take very seriously um, because I did smoke cigarettes all the time and took the pill. So, um, you know, I think that definitely I think, you know, sort of establishing like what what a risk profile is, is quite hard. Um, There are definitely certain blood types and I would say like you know, there, there's certain, um, mutations and clotting disorders, um, like, you know, factor five Leiden, for example, that if you're screened for them, um, you might then know that you would have a much greater risk of having a blood clot, um, you know, a more serious side effect on the birth control. I think, you know, none of that screening is generally done. Um, so unless people know already that they have, you know, like a history of this in their family or there's some kind of a clotting disorder. So, I, I mean, I think with certain kinds of like events, like a thrombosis or a blood clot, it's very, very hard to kind of screen because it doesn't sort of fit neatly into this category of women over 35 who are obese and who smoke. And as you can see in the documentary, you know, we, we talk about five women who lost their lives from blood clots, uh, pulmonary embolism on birth control, and none of them fit into this category. Actually, one of them did have factor five Leiden, um, but they didn't know at the time but none of them fit into that category. They were all under 35. They were all healthy, non-smokers, you know, not obese. So it's kind of a hard thing, you know, to reconcile, right? I mean, there's other side effects. I think like people will talk about migraines, for example. Um, And we hear a lot of stories about this, you know, and that migraines, I think, are very overlooked as a real significant risk factor. And, you know, recently um, the model Haley Bieber, um, who's married to Justin Bieber, she came out and did a whole YouTube video about how she suffered a mini stroke because of the pill and because she's a person with migraines who never should have been on the pill. Um, And I think that, you know, helped with awareness, but it, you know, it shouldn't be Haley Bieber, (laughs) some, you know, um, influencer educating women about this. It shouldn't be, it should be something that is more commonly talked about, you know, with every prescription, like women should be warned 
about migraines, that these could be a, a sign of a more serious, um, you know, risk for them. So I think there's other risks that are not spoken about. Um, one thing that I learned during the making of the film, for example, is that there's definitely a risk of like increased and recurrent uh, UTI infections. Now that's something that I suffer from. So I can definitely go back and say, you know, was being on the pill for 10 years, did those, did that make me more prone to UTIs? You know, I can't say for certain, but I know I've seen the research and the research about inflammation. um, And I think one of the fears about, I think some of the side effects is that they, they don't resolve when you stop using the birth control. Um, like for me, UTIs was one of them and they didn't resolve. Mm. Um, I know that for other people, there's might be like serious sort of drops in testosterone, which we talked about, you know, which are definitely part of the side effect profile and can lead to loss of libido. But, you know, some women don't recover their mm-hmm. prior testosterone levels after stopping the pill. Um, there's hair loss. Uh, hair loss can also really increase after stopping the pill. Um, mm-hmm. And hair loss is something that isn't, cannot necessarily, you know, be reversed. Um, so, uh, you know, and then you talked a little bit about this too, but I think this, this nutrient depletion um, and what happens to your microbiome is a very serious side effect, which is tied into mental health issues as well. It can be a contributing mm-hmm. factor, of course, to all the, the mental health issues because it messes with your cortisol levels. Um, and again, I mean, that's something that, you know, you can supplement and, and hopefully you can, you know, restore after, after discontinuing birth control, but definitely it's something that you would want to really work with a professional to help, you know, um, rebuild those stores of nutrients and in your body. Um, and there's just, I would say like, you know, it's hard to even like get through all, all the list of possible side effects because, you know, you, you have receptors for these hormones, like all over your body. And so your, your endocrine system is involved in, in so many functions that, I mean, I, I've heard stories, a few stories of um, kidney lesions um, from being on the pill. I've heard stories just from sort of localized pain in certain areas of the body um, from being on the birth control. I mean, there's definitely um, a connection with like pain during sex, vulvar pain that, mm-hmm. that may not go away. So it's very, you know, and then that, that's what I think is so difficult about the subject is that women's hormones are so poorly understood and so poorly researched. And there's so little studies being done. And we're just kind of beginning to really tap into the full impact of the full, you know, range of side effects that can happen from using birth control. And so I think that if somebody has a side effect that doesn't fit into the book, you know, and goes to their provider and says, you know, hey, since I started these birth control pills, like I can't sleep at night or I have insomnia, you know, they they will most likely be either gaslit and told, well, that's not a side effect of, you know, birth control. Or, well, then we should just try a different delivery method or try a different device, you know? So it's it's very complicated because I think that so little is known and it's hard to know kind of like what even to connect back, right? Right. To, to birth control. But I mean, look, the good news is for the most part, from what we understand, you know, like you've been on it, I've been on it, you know, that you, you easily, when you, when you do stop, you know, 
most women are able to like recover their natural cycles, recover their natural, you know, hormone levels. And in most cases, you know, um, the good news is that when you stop, you are, you know, you're able to get rid of those side effects. I mean, that there are cases where it, it prolongs, but, you know, I, I would say the majority are, are able to, um, you know, go back to, to a healthy cycle. So I, that's, the good news about it, <laughs> you know, the bad news is just, I think, um, how little support women have. And I, I think this extends all the way through perimenopause and menopause. And it's kind of like, you can see now, right, how menopause is sort of like trending. So all these companies are trying to capitalize on it right? And they're selling like menopause, you know, face cream and Walgreens. And, but meanwhile, it's the same thing where it's like, most women have absolutely no idea what to do when they start experiencing symptoms of perimenopause and and menopause. There's just so little information and guidance. And it's just, it's infuriating. I agree. I, I totally agree that it's all these different buzzwords and like you said, just trying to capture on how to sell a product or whatever, when there there's still like no education involved, like same thing with menopause, like people get to it and they just assume, Oh, this, this has to be a crappy journey because you know, my mom had a horrible menopause journey. So that's what mine is. And I have to just live like that. And we just are in a society where we just assume every like we have to deal with these symptoms instead of understanding why they're actually happening like you said there's not a lot of education around this stuff which is just yeah. unfortunate probably going back to the fact that there's not a lot of research done yeah exactly it's infuriating um it is. but that's why i'm i love the work that you're doing and just i think it's so important that this message continues to get out there because i really do feel a shift i feel like especially since I went off the pill six, seven years ago, maybe six years ago, I feel like there's really been a a huge shift that a lot of people are really wanting to understand that a lot of people want to track their cycle. They want to practice fertility awareness method. They, they want to understand what's going on in their body. And I think that that is absolutely incredible. And I think that's just continuing to amplify and amplify as time goes on. So hopefully that's a good sign. Yeah, I agree with you there. So what, as you were going through and creating this documentary, what was one of your favorite takeaways or one of the favorite things that you learned while going through this process? Um, you know, I think what I really enjoyed learning because for me, it's like at this point, point in my life. It's like, I've had my kids. I don't want any more kids. I'm not, you know, kind of in a state where I'm really thinking a lot about birth control or dating or, you know, I'm more thinking about my hormonal health, right? Mm-hmm. And my cycle. So for me, I loved learning about the benefits of the menstrual cycle and more of the detail about the hormonal journey um, that women take every month. And, you know, I, I, I didn't really understand. Um, I mean, I knew roughly <laughs> like, okay, this is, you know, the first part of your cycle. And, you know, I kind of roughly knew when I ovulated and then I sort of knew like, oh, this is kind of where like, PMS can happen, or I might feel like this a couple days before my period starts. But that was kind of my understanding. You know, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I just knew it from like a fertility perspective. Um, Now it's like, wow. I mean, I feel, I, I, I love, you know, I love like really being in touch with like how my, hormones are fluctuating and I love understanding the rhythms and when I might be 
more articulate <laughs> and when I might be less articulate and when I can sort of lean into, right, my cycle um, and take advantage of like the times where you just want to be at home reorganizing your closet and the times when you want to <laughs> be like out and social and conquering the world and not trying to sort of force my body, you know, to be doing like aerobic activities, you know, like right around the time of my period or, you know, to just respecting, I think, my cycle and understanding more the nuances of how things work and then also being able to support that, you know, and now I can feel so clearly, like, I know leading up to my period, I know if my estrogen is in excess. Like I know the symptoms if I'm either low in progesterone or I'm not metabolizing my estrogen, you know, my excess estrogen and getting rid of it properly. And so I know what to eat, what to supplement, what to do to sort of balance that, you know, so that I don't have sore boobs for a week or whatever yeah. it is, you know, and yeah. I, and so it's that's, really, that's powerful. like such a telltale sign for that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What are some of your favorite go-tos? Like what are some of the things that help you the most if you're feeling that? Um, so for me, I like, um, I take a uh, Crucera. Oh, like a cruciferous like a, yeah, it's like a supplement. That's like a, I think it's like a broccoli sprout. Yep. So that helps me, I think with the metabolizing, like the excess estrogen. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also have things that where I'll do like seed cycling. And, mm -hmm. um, there's a company that I really love, um, called Agni. A-G-N-I and they do like functional foods and they make these really good seasonings um, mm -hmm. with different seed cycling. So I'll try to use that to kind of like boost up my progesterone. Um, and then also, you know, because I am in perimenopause, I will also like, if the symptoms are, are, you know, really like maybe ex more extreme one cycle, I'll use like natural bioidentical cyclic progesterone that I'll take um, maybe the week before my period at night, um, which helps like with sleep and helps with, you know, balancing because as we get older, you know, we do produce less progesterone. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, those are all things that I use. I also just started using um, choline supplement to help, nice. yeah, support with like estrogen. I mean, these are all things because everybody in the film is like, you know, on my call sheet. So it's like, if I feel things, I can just <laughs> like, I can just message like Dr. Lara Bryden in New Zealand and be like, you know, Lara, I feel this, 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 you know, and it's great. And she'll just say, Oh, you could try this or try this. So yeah, those are a couple things I do. That's awesome. I love it. And those are some of my favorites as well. I think it's so great because those are things that work for you. And I think so many people just want, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? But like yeah. you said, these are, those are things that work for you. Those are things that you've tried out that you've experimented with. And I think that's really important because kind of tying it back to our whole thing about yeah. all of this is you need to step into your own body and learn yes. what works for it. And that's why there are practitioners like myself, like Dr. Laura Brighton, like other people mm -hmm. who help you kind of get in tune with your body like that. But at the end of the day, it is about doing that internal work and saying, I've tried this. I don't really like this. This works really well for me. This yes. doesn't. And I think that that's at the end of the day, that's what healthcare is really missing is that bioidentical yes. or bioindividual type yeah. care. And we really can be step one for how we get there. I totally agree. And I think also, you know, it's funny with the trends too, because like, for example, like magnesium is something that everybody's always shouting from the rooftops about <laughs> magnesium, magnesium. So of course I was, you know, trying to be, oh, I got to see, you know, so I 
I got the, um, the powder, the magnesium powder, whatever they said to get, you know, and I was doing like a scoop of the powder, um, at night in water and drinking it. And I swear, it's like, so funny. Like it was just really doing nothing for me. <laughs> like I was like, this is like not doing anything. And then recently I had a friend staying here and she had magnesium, but it was in a tablet. Mm. And so I was like, oh, let me try that. And so I started trying that at night and like, I did feel that, you know? Interesting. Yeah. That's really I interesting. Like that helped me a lot. Yeah. I don't know. It was like a 500 milligram magnesium, you know, tablet that she had. And I think I was doing 200 or 300 milligrams of the, um, With the powder, the powder and the powder was making me really nauseous. Um, yeah. When I, I went hear to that sleep. sometimes. Yeah. It was making me really nauseated. And so I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. Like for whatever reason, my body like metabolizes this, you know, the pill form and yeah. So things like that. But I, I, you know, I jumped on that wagon, you know, I was like, yeah. I jumped on that magnesium wagon, but then I could just tell after a couple of weeks, I was like, I, this is not doing anything. Like there's no right. benefit. So right. it's tricky. It's tricky to figure out, right. What's it is. It, and it takes time. And that's one thing that I don't think we are very like quick fix. We want something and we want it to work immediately. We don't want to try a few weeks to see how something works. We want it right away. So it is difficult because the natural way does take time, but it is worth it. Um, yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask because obviously the film is named the business of birth control. And so I really wanted to get into quickly a little bit about really the business around birth control, how, how the, I don't know if you know the numbers offhand, but like revenue that it's bringing certain pharmaceutical companies. Cause I think that might put it into perspective on maybe why this is prescribed a little bit more than, well, not necessarily a little bit more, but why you see it so widely prescribed. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, look like any industry, it's like, nobody wants to disrupt a multi-billion dollar industry, you know? And I think the pill especially has, has this sort of diplomatic immunity around it, you know, where it's sort of like bulletproof, you know, like mm -hmm. can't be criticized because we are so dependent on hormonal birth control with kind of very few other options out there we're very dependent. And so the, there's kind of a, a double pressure, I think, where yes, there's a business incentive, but there's also like a real cultural kind of, you know, fear around the idea that, you know, cause if birth control isn't solved, then that's really scary. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause then where are we? Right. Right. We are back in the fifties. I mean, what are we, we're just doing condoms and diaphragms. I mean, what's, you know, what's going on. So I think it's, it's kind of frightening to people. And I think that in this country in particular, I think in other countries, you don't have the stigma around periods, the stigma around abortion that, that, you know, we have in the United States. And so mm -hmm. I think with this fear, this huge, huge fear around unplanned pregnancy, around abortion, you know, it creates like even more of a pressure cooker, right? Than, than in other cultures. So it's like you have the, the, the cultural, um, attitude. And then I think as a business, I mean, you know, as we show in the film, what happens with a lot of the birth control products is that the progestin, which is the synthetic, um, you know, hormone that they, they put in goes off patent. So you can have a pill or a birth control that's incredibly successful and makes pharmaceutical companies and their shareholders, you know, billions of dollars, but then suddenly it goes off patent and they have to develop a new one. 
And so like with the case of like, let's say Yaz or Yasmin, um, which we talk about in the documentary, you know, that was the response of a pharmaceutical company, Bayer in that case saying, oh my God, we got to create something new. We need a new patent, right? We need a new moneymaker for the company. And so what they did is they kind of made a formula that maybe improved certain side effects, but then was ultimately much more dangerous when it came to the risk of blood clots. But then because pharmaceutical company has so much power in this country, they're able to essentially finance their own studies. So then they pay <laughs> for scientists to do the studies on the safety of the new drug. And then they kind of present the studies to the FDA in the way that minimizes the you know downsides. And they kind of, you know, are it's really almost like marketing from the beginning. And that's really what um, in the film you hear Dr. David Kessler, who was the former head of the FDA, I mean, he says in the film, like, if I had really seen this information about Yaz, like the real risks that they tried to conceal, I wouldn't have even approved the drug. So he's saying he wouldn't have even approved the drug. And meanwhile, the drug was approved you know, by his predecessor and the drug has gone on to make, you know, billions and billions of dollars all over the world. And the fact that it's so much more dangerous than the previous pills is covered up by the fact that they just raise more money to pay off all the lawsuits from all the women who have strokes and heart attacks um, or die from thrombolic events as a result of the pill. So, and then all the, the class action lawsuits that are filed against the drug manufacturers and are settled, all those people then have gag orders. So they can't then go to the media and tell the story about what happened to them on Yaz or Yasmin. So, you know, it's like this, they're like perfectly protected and they can't be sued in court. Like Karen um, Langhart, one of the mothers um, in our movie, who's since passed away, her, her daughter Erica was supposed to, that case of the NuvaRing, she was um, killed from a pul pulmonary embolism from a NuvaRing, that case was supposed to go to court in California. And there were all these lawyers that were sort of pumping her up about, oh, yeah, your daughter's case. This will be like the first case, you know, that we actually get into a courtroom and try it in front of a judge to prove that the drug manufacturer knew about this risk and didn't adequately, you know, expose it on the label. And ultimately, it all fell apart because you cannot go to court against pharmaceutical. It just doesn't you can't. It's not the way our system is set up and no lawyer could ever afford to take on a, that kind of a lawsuit. So, you know, right. it's this perfect bubble where they're just protected legally. Women are injured. Women are die. You don't hear about it. You don't know about it. It rarely makes it into the media. It's very convenient for people not to hear about it. Um, and there's a tremendous amount of money at stake, but I think people are waking up a bit because I think now that people understand the opiate epidemic and like if you watch the Hulu series called Dope Sick, which like follows that entire kind of opiate epidemic, you can, people now see like how openly these drug companies are able to hide the risks mm -hmm. and lie about the products. So you know, I think people are, are waking up to it a, a bit, um, but it's very, very challenging to disrupt any kind, you know, of big pharmaceutical, like, blockbuster money like that.
No, I, I agree. And I, I agree that I think that people are waking up to it. I think the documentaries like yours, like the one on Hulu, which I actually need to watch that one. Yeah, I mean, really even good. just how much can just even be approved via the FDA or how much the FDA, well, more for like personal care products. I, I like, I'm referring to the documentary, Not So Pretty on HBO. Have you watched that one? Oh, I've heard about it, about the makeup industry, right? Yeah, makeup, mm-hmm. hair products, skincare. I mean, it's it, it's just like baffling how these carcinogenic products and byproducts can get into our skincare and all of these <sighs> different types of things. So, I mean, so just to kind of show, like, just because it's on the shelf or just because it's, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean it's okay. And so I, I do think that that's the trend. And, and I'm glad that you just touched on that and so people can watch that i do i need to add that hulu documentary to my watch list um so kind of bringing everything together um so one i think that people are going to take so much away from this episode but i highly encourage everybody to go watch the business of birth control documentary where can they learn more about that learn more about you and uh ricky both of your, your work and with this film. Um, and I'll make sure that I also put everything in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you, Haley. So, um, we have a website called the business of dot life and you can find everything about all of our films and, um, links to watch them on that website. So it's the business of dot life. Um, you can also go to the business of birth That'll take you to the same place. <laughs> um, and we are distributing the, the film essentially ourselves um, here in the States. So we are streaming it um, straight from our website and you can watch it there. And we're going to give your viewers um, a 50% off code to watch the movie. And um, we're also offering a nine-part masterclass and membership community, which we just launched um, this summer. So if you see the movie and you're interested in like diving deeper, uh, you can sign up to join our masterclass. And um, it's a nine-part series kind of diving deeper into a lot of aspects of the movie And then there's also a community feature. So we have like a private Facebook group and then we have monthly um, member events where you can learn more from our experts. So it's really cool. So that's, that's another option and kind of way to like further your education beyond the movie. That's awesome. I love that. Love it. Awesome. I will make sure all of those are in the show notes. Abby, thank you so much for coming on today. It was I just can't admire the work that you're doing enough. I love it. I love the documentary. I loved being able to chat with you today. So thank you so much for being, being here, being a part of the podcast is very much so appreciated. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Haley. I really am a fan of your work too. So thank you for having me. Absolutely.